1: Welcome back to the latest edition of Head of the Pack. I'm Matt Schneidman here with Bill Huber. Coming to you live from Lambeau Field after the Packers' 24-10 win over the Washington football team. Remember when the Packers lost 38-3 to the Saints in week one? That seems like a a figment of our imagination, a distant uh, moment of the past. Packers are 6-1 now with a massive, massive, massive trip to Arizona coming up on a short week. Packers at Cardinals Thursday night. Cardinals are the only undefeated team left in football. It wasn't pretty today, um, but that's been kind of the MO for the Packers over the last month, month and a half. The offense isn't clicking on all cylinders, but the defense is starting to find a groove, and, and that's where I think we should start. All the talk this week was about how bad the red zone defense had been, and rightfully so. You know, 15 opponent trips into the red zone this season, 15 opponent touchdowns. ESPN Stats and Info had a good nugget. Packers were the only team in the last 40 years to not get a red zone stop in the first six games of a season. Today, they got four stops, three points allowed, two turnovers on down, one interception, 19 plays for Washington in the red zone, no
2: penalties, no touchdowns. Pretty impressive. Um, Can I be Debbie Downer? Sure. Sure. Let's rain on the parade here. So that first red zone stop, Tyler Heineke could have walked into the end zone. There, there isn't a defensive guy within like 10 yards. Well, no, I'm exaggerating. Probably within five yards of him. And he dives toward the goal line and comes up short. What are you doing? So that's a touchdown, right? I mean, there, there's a touchdown there. Um, there there's, a, there's another one. another The, the uh, second red zone um, shortcoming. You know, there's an asterisk on that one, too. Um I don't know. They played a a crappy offense. I realize some of their defensive guys are hurt. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm not going to say that the red zone problems are even remotely close to solved. Right? I would agree. You know, that that rule's dumb. The giving yourself up. I
1: mean, whatever. He, He wasn't trying to give himself up to... Or maybe he was trying to give himself up to avoid contact. Whatever. The Packers, still... You know, stuffed Heineke on that fourth and one. Adrian Amos yep. had a nice pass breakup on fourth down. Jaden Sullivan with his dad in attendance for the first time in his NFL career, uh, Sullivan tweeted after the game, picks Heineke off. And then on, on the fourth red zone trip, two sacks and three plays that push him back 21 yards from a first and goal at the nine. Yes, listen, I agree because Washington is not Arizona. Washington is not Kansas. Well, they might be Kansas City because the Chiefs kind of stink. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree that it's not all hail the red zone defense, but it's a step in the right direction. And we got to remember they they did it today without Preston and Zedarius, without Jair mm-hmm. and Kevin. Um, so for who they have on the field, I would say it's, it's pretty admirable what they did today, but yeah, you know, a questionable rule went in their favor. But other than that, they came up with some timely plays and it'll be a lot tougher uh, against Arizona, but a good step in the right direction and it'll give us something else to write about so, since we don't have to write about the red zone defense anymore.
2: Yeah, the one play I forgot was just before the Amos uh, pass breakup for the end zone, Heineke throws a great ball at Terry McLaurin hits him off, off his, on his face mask. So you've got one of the best receivers in football, um... I can't even say he dropped the ball. But I mean it should have been a touchdown. So you got the Heineke scramble and the McLaurin helmet play. I mean I mean, at that point, Washington could have, I mean Green Bay could have been seventeen for seventeen, or 0 for seventeen, I guess, how <laughs> you want to look at it. But you're right. You do have to weigh everything by who's out there. You're right. I mean, that's your best pass rusher. One of your best pass rushers is with Preston. You're all pro cornerback. That that's hard. That's hard playing defense that way. I have no idea who's going to suit up against Arizona on Thursday, but um, kind of going with what Ryder said a week or so ago. They're like playing with house and money with all the wins they've got, considering all the guys out of the lineup. It is impressive.
1: Um, another thing I wanted to touch on, the offense, obviously, I think the word Rodgers used was close. The offense is close. Matt LaFleur said something like, you know, it, it seems like one thing is always a little bit off. They haven't scored 30 points since week three against the 49ers. They haven't had to since they, they haven't really gotten into a shootout. Um, their defense has played well, but it's against Ben Roethlisberger, Joe Burrow, in, in exception. The Bengals are a wagon right now. They put up 41 on the Ravens today. But then the Bears and now the football team. Their next couple games are against Arizona, Kansas City, Minnesota, Seattle with Russell Wilson the Rams, the Browns. I mean, is this offense equipped to win a shootout that we we might find out in, in
2: four days? It's not going to be in four days because I don't think Bakhtiari is going to play in four days. I, I just can't imagine they're going to have one half-ass practice on Tuesday. Um, there's no, I, I just can't believe Bakhtiari is going to play. So they're probably not equipped to win a shootout with this offensive line. But they just got to get to December and January with, with their guys. If, if you get Bakhtiari and Josh Myers and put those guys out there and you put Jenkins back at left guard, yeah, then these guys are equipped to shoot out. shootout. Give Aaron Rodgers time. I mean, there were guys open all day long, but Rodgers is getting hammered the first half because it was a jailbreak. Their offensive line wasn't very good against a D-line with four first-rounders, but there'll be a different story when Bakhtiari's at left tackle and Jenkins is at left guard. It's, it's a totally different game. It is, yeah, and – You know, Myers, uh, I have a
1: hard time believing that Bakhtiari will play Thursday night. Myers won't since he's on IR. Um, Right. The offensive line wasn't good today. You know, Rodgers said as much. Pocket was collapsing early. A lot of pressure. Granted, Washington's defensive line is, you know, four first-rounders. They're a good unit. But still, you know, you're about to face a team that has J.J. Watt and Chandler Jones. You gotta you gotta be able to block those guys off the edge too, um, but yeah, I think if anything, the good sign for the offense today was that the Packers got Robert Tunyon and Alan Lazard more involved than they have been this season. And as Rogers said post game, you know, if teams have to account for those guys more, it'll give Devonte more single coverage looks which, you know, he's going to win most of those. So if Robert Tunyon and and Alan Lazard can combine for nine catches, 123 yards and two touchdowns like they did today, if that means Devontae Adams gets six, seven more looks versus single coverage in the passing game, that's a win in in my eyes. I mean, everyone's talked about the, the dirty work that Alan Lazard and Robert Tunyon have done. And yes, it's very valuable to this team. But perhaps the most valuable thing they can do is help free freeing up the best receiver in the league for more
2: advantageous situations. Yeah, those are damn good players. I think I think Lazard's really good. And I just go back to that playoff here, playoff game here against the Rams where he let him up. You know, the game at New Orleans in week three last year without Adams, where he lit those guys up. He's a legit player. And again, you get the offensive line healthy, then you don't have to have Tunyon chipping guys like he's had to do fairly frequently this year. And we've talked about this in, in past podcasts. He's a really good player, and that he came into this game having done almost nothing. He had one touchdown. It was a shock to me. I mean, I didn't expect 12 or 11 again, um, but he was so good in training camp, Matt, that I just figured he was going to catch 60 this year, and it just hasn't happened, partially because of circumstances. If you can get him rolling, um, that would be a, a huge thing. I, you know, I don't know if anyone's going to play Devontae less like Rodgers thought. I mean, obviously, he knows more than I do, but... Um, if you're going to do- double Devontae, you've got to have someone capable of picking up the slack, and that was a hugely important step tonight or today.
1: No doubt, and, and especially because the running game was doing nothing today. They you know, not even try. Uh, and why should they? I mean, I understand that right. you have to run a couple times, so Washington can't just pin their ears back, pin its ears back, um, grammar police right there, and, and just blitz every time because they know they're passing. Not blitz every time, but, you know, be more predictable uh, on the Packers end but they have to run but it just didn't get anywhere you know they had gone I believe it was 100 131 134 and 154 133 and 154 the Packers team rushing totals for the last four games it was non-existent today luckily for them it didn't have to be but against the Cardinals if I'm the Packers I want to see more of that play action passing game and to do that you're going to need to establish the run Way more than you did today. AJ Dillon fumbled twice. That was not good. Aaron Jones has lost a fumble this year. They gotta take care of the freaking ball, man. Yes, they do. I mean, no doubt about that. That's not good news right now. I I know it's not really leading. It's not leading to losses, but it might sooner rather than later coming up against these teams that are a lot better
2: than the ones you played already. Yeah, Dillon had that one well inside the red zone. I mean, that's just it's gonna kill you. Um, looking at the numbers, they, they ran the about fifteen times. Two riders scramble, so it's thirteen. And end the round to St. Brown, so it's twelve. And I think it was two garbage time runs by Kylan Hill gets it down to ten. They had ten true runs today. That is, I mean, and I get it. I mean, Washington's secondary stinks. One of their starting cornerbacks didn't play, so I get it. Um, but yeah, you've, you've got to do, you got to do better. Um, like you, you mentioned, Watt and. Watt and Chandler Jones. If you're going to throw the ball all day against those guys, you know, and they might have to in a shootout, but you got to, you got to keep them honest. somewhat. Chandler Jones, Syracuse's finest. He had five sacks in Week One. Not a, I'm not sure what he did today, but he had nothing. To, I realize he he's on the COVID list for some of that, but I know he entered today with five sacks. Right. What do you expect
1: from this Arizona game? Um, you know. Would I be surprised if the Packers won? Considering their injuries, yes. At full health, I would anticipate the Packers to win. But they're obviously not at full health. Will they have Marquez Valdez-Scantling? He didn't practice at all last week. I have a very hard time assuming he's going to get one light practice in and play. So no MVS. Yep. Probably no Jair. No Zedarius you know Preston was allegedly close to playing today will he be back will Kevin King be back it's just a lot of key guys are missing and can the it, listen i didn't expect them to go into santa clara and beat the 49ers but they did they got out to a 17 nothing lead and and like i said before that game the packers need to throw the first punch here cuz if they get down 14 nothing this mm. offense Maybe it is built to, but in Matt LaFleur's tenure, they have shown, you know, an inability to rise out of big deficits early. So I think they have to strike first. I would even consider receiving if they win the toss. Um, to try and score a touchdown on their opening drive like they did today. And you gotta be aggressive. You gotta go for it on fourth downs, you gotta throw the punch. You can't be conservative against the Cardinals, but you know, the biggest concern for me, if I'm the Packers, is who the hell is going to guard DeAndre Hopkins? I mean, Eric Stokes is a good player, and I think he is, but, you know, he had some nice plays against Terry McLaurin, who is on his way to becoming an elite receiver. I really do think so. DeAndre Hopkins is right up there with Devontae Adams for best receiver in the league. You know, that's going to be trouble. And and, and then Kyler Murray running around. They let Heineke run loose. What What's going to happen if Kyler Murray gets loose?
2: <laughs> yeah, um, you know, Darius Slay who played... With the Troy Song and knows Devonte Adams well, he was on some podcast the other day. I'm not sure who it was. Um, he called Hopkins the best receiver in football. So take that for what it's worth. Yeah, I whew, I have no idea. I mean, even if King plays, I mean, King, you were at practice this week, Matt. King did not look anywhere close to healthy. Right. Like that shoulder seemed like a like you know they want they go through these warmups and you know the coaches throw these challenging balls to the DBs. You know, have to go make acrobatic catches, and A just kind of kind of lobbed him in there. It's like they didn't want him to even stretch his arm out to catch a pass. Um, so you got that. And you, know, can, you know, can he tackle with a bad shoulder? There's a, there's a lot of issues there. Um, Stokes is Stokes has been pretty good, but yeah, Stokes against Hopkins not a great matchup. I think Sullivan's been pretty good lately, but who stops a scrambling Kyler Murray? Devondre Campbell's a hell of a Devondre Campbell kinda, might. <laughs> I'm not exactly sure he's cut out for that part of it, you know? Right. That's not exactly his, even though his arms are like 15 feet long, which is kind of entertaining when he, if, if whenever teams throw a pass to him, even if he's, even if it's caught, he just, he just like reaches out and grabs the guy. He's, <laughs> right. He's, a, he's an amazing player, but I'm not sure he's cut out to stop Kyler Murray. But he did play with him in Arizona last year. You know, year, so you know who might have be? Some intel.
1: Rashawn Gary might be, because Rashawn Gary. You know, I I wrote a story this week about how, yeah, he's not finishing plays necessarily, but he's getting a lot of pressure. He's affecting plays. And today he finished. He had a sack and a half. He had the forced fumble that that Dean Lowry recovered. Dean Lowry's playing well, too. And I know it's cliche, but Rodgers said it today, too. If you watch the tape, Rashawn Gary never gives up on plays. And that's not just like a, a cliche throwaway. It's... He literally is in pursuit until the whistle blows and the play is over. And that's really important against a guy like Kyler Murray, who's going to be running all over the field. you got to have good pursuit. Yeah, it might get the guy tired, but um, I think Rashawn Gary's best equipped to, to chase him around and keep him in the pocket, to be honest with you. He really impressed me today. Devondre Campbell did as well. He's been a godsend for the Packers. Those two guys yes. are gonna be really important to to keeping Kyler Murray in check on Thursday.
2: Yeah, you mentioned you you mentioned him running all around. It's getting Preston Smith back and then having Merciless here is huge just from the from the fatigue perspective, right? I mean you're gonna have your edge rushers running and running and running and running on a short week to have if they can get Preston back, that'd be huge just to keep some legs fresh.
1: No doubt, I definitely agree. Um, Packers can sleepwalk to this division. You know, they're six and one. Vikings are three and three. They had a buy. Bears lost thirty-eight-three to the the Buccaneers um, today. So welcome to the club for the Packers who did the same last year. Lions are zero and seven. They're out of it. You know, uh, Packers are going to win this division. They'll have a home playoff game. It's a matter of can can they beat Arizona, which would be huge to securing that number one seed and that all important buy that the Packers have had the last two years. We'll see though. Um, let's answer a couple questions. I've got one from Kevin Stallsberg. How significant is getting four red zone stops on defense without Jair King and the Smiths, even if it is the Washington football team? Yeah. Like we touched on, I think you do have to take it with a grain of salt, but then that grain of salt is kind of wiped away by the fact that they're doing it with guys like, Whitney Merciless, who has been here for ten seconds, and Rasul Douglas, and you know Shannon Sullivan's been around. I, I just haven't really seen it from him too much. You got guys like Ladarius Hamilton and Jonathan Garvin and Henry Black playing snaps. If the Packers are healthy, those guys aren't licking the, or aren't sniffing the field, sniffing licking. I don't know which one it is. It,
2: Probably weird. I hope they're not licking it. Probably weird it's either way. Yeah, it probably shouldn't yeah. lick the field. But all the all the all the chemicals on that turf. You probably
1: get sick. You probably get sick. Yeah, yeah, sick, lick, sniff, whatever. You get my point. It is significant because it gives the Packers confidence that if they do have injuries in the future, these guys can step up so they don't go into panic mode, and it just gives fans and the team the optimism of the unknown of if we can do this with these guys, what can we do when we get our actual guys back?
2: Yeah, no doubt about that. Um, you know, to, to Kevin's point about the red zone stops and how it's significant it is, it's such a momentum-driven thing. All those sports are, right? You So you see it. You, you give up 15 straight touchdowns in the red zone. Today they get one red zone stop, lucky as it might have been. And then they got two, three, and four. So yeah, I think momentum's a big deal. And you had to get... You have to get one at some point, and they got that, and then they're, then they're able to build on it. And then those last two red zone stops are really, really good. So yeah, huge deal to feel like you can get stops with who's in there. Then when Jair comes back, and you know maybe Zedarius comes back, it's it's you're getting two game changing guys at the end of the year. So yeah, it's it's yeah, you're, Kevin's absolutely right. Huge.
1: This is an interesting one from Joe O'Keefe. Maybe the offense and defense haven't played perfect games yet, but special teams are becoming a glaring issue. Are injuries to other positions causing a lack of consistency with a special teams unit, or are personnel changes imminent for the special teams unit? That's funny, because Matt LaFleur went out of his way today to say the special teams were great and did some great things today. I thought that was interesting. Um, he he specifically said the kickoff coverage was the best it's been, and I agree. You know They were 30th in the league in opponent kickoff return uh, yards, average per game what you get the point with 30.44 uh yards per kick return for opponents and and washington uh brought deandre carter in their kick returner who had the most kickoff return yards in the league entering this week so they did some good stuff there yes mason crosby's kick was brutal um barely (laughs) got off the ground but it was canceled out by tj slayton a, a rookie fifth round pick blocking a field goal, taking three points off the board. So, And Corey Bohorquez might be the best damn player in the NFL. He's incredible. I know he had that one bad game um, in Cincinnati, but this guy's ability to punt with incredible hang time, 50-plus yards out of the back of his own end zone under pressure to force a fair catch is incredible. And then he used the Rob Domovsky pitching wedge to bounce one literally centimeters before the goal line and down them inside the five. That guy is a game-changer.
2: His net today was 46-something or other. Yeah, the guy's a hell of a good punter. That that one from backed up, I want to say, Washington had a really good rush on that one, and he still drilled it. Um, St. Brown had the coverage on that. Look, it it wasn't like a super good hang time punt, but he had distance, and St. Brown really covered some ground. He's a pretty damn good special teams player, St. Brown is. Never thought I'd say that.
1: Yeah, and he had – if you had told me I would have seen – when I got to the stadium today, if you had said, Matt, you're going to see an equanimous equanimous St. Brown jet sweep for 13 yards and a first down, I would have said you're freaking crazy. But guess what? They're pulling out all the stops, and Rodgers made a point last week of saying he was really proud of St. Brown, really happy with him. You know, He had the key block to spring that Amari Rodgers first down up the sideline. They don't need him to catch passes. They need him to do little things here and le- there, like he did today, like he did last week. That's what the, the fifth, sixth receiver on the team should do. And, and he's doing it well after a brutal start to the season. Um, so
2: good role-playing from him today. I'll give him that. Here- yeah, they got to get that field goal issue figured out. I mean, pahorcas might be the best punter in, in the history of mankind, but J.K. Scott was the best holder of all time. Um, I'm not sure... If it's Borjaquez is the problem there, just with that transition, I, I'm going to assume that's probably the case because we've never seen I, I've never seen Crosby do that before. I mean, Tim Settle blocked that kick with his armpit, I
0: think. That
2: was <laughs> brutal. That's true. Uh, loyal listener Cecilia J.
1: Bugface. It's National Tight Ends Day. Can we have some love and appreciation for how Mercedes Lewis just does all the dirty work and then can never be tackled on his reception? This dude might lead the league in yards after catch. It's incredible. He makes guys miss. He plows through people. He's obviously a mammoth of a human being. But Mercedes Lewis is a factor in the passing game, more than he's been in years past. And that is that's lethal.
2: I, I will go with a reference that you probably won't understand, Matt, but some of our listeners will. Um, Tecmo Bowl. I know what that is. Has anybody had – oh, okay, you're not that old. Well, remember Bo Jackson? Yeah. Bo, Bo Jackson would get the ball, and, like the, and the defenders would just like bounce off of him. That's like Mercedes Lewis now. I thought about that during the game. It's like Bo Jackson and Tecmo Bowl. It's like a semi going through a swarm of mosquitoes. Just shoving guys out of the way. He did, he's probably averaging eight or nine yak per catch, though. That's pretty amazing. That is crazy. Oldest tight end in football. Woo. From Brian, at Tundra Walker, double
1: zero. Is that the worst the passing pocket will look this season? Um, y- yes. You better hope so. You better hope it doesn't get worse than that because that wasn't great. Um, you know, Rogers can still move outside the pocket. He stepped up and ran for a first down, even though he said someone tried to trip him again. but um yeah, it, it's got to be better than that. that. That's one of the they, they've had a brutal stretch of defensive lines they've had to face and this one mm-hmm. might be uh, among the best of the bunch with Jonathan Allen, Chase Young, Duron Payne, They've got a good bunch over there, and it was it was rough for the Packers. They yeah, I would desperately... say maybe, maybe it
2: is the best. Go ahead. Just because I would say maybe it is the best, just because all four of those guys can rush the passer. Like Rodgers has said forever, and I think by every quarterback agrees that if it's just pressure coming from the edge, you can handle that because your tackles can push those guys past, and you can step up in the pocket. Well, with with Allen and Payne there's no pocket to step into. So those four guys can just collapse the pocket. And we saw that Rodgers just has nowhere to go. So I would say that probably is the best D-line they'll face from that perspective. So I think uh, Brian's fears are probably going to rest easy because they'll not face a better group than that. That's true. Here's, Here's one from Kevin Heimerdinger. What's more concerning on Thursday, Arizona's defense or containing Kyler Murray? They struggle to contain Tyler Heineke, who isn't as mobile as Kyler. Definitely Arizona's offense and and
1: trying to contain them with the injuries the Packers have uh, on defense. I think Kyler Murray, as we've talked about, and not to mention they just traded for Zach Ertz, who's a Pro Bowl caliber tight end who can really cause some damage. So you have Christian Kirk, you have DeAndre Hopkins, Zach Ertz, um, Chase Edmonds, Kyler Murray, it, it's it's going to be a tall task. The Cardinals' defense has been good recently. You know, they let out five points to the Texans today. Texans stink, though. 14 to the Browns, they're not great either. 10 to the 49ers, also not great. 20 Actually, actually, you know, Cardinals' defense is pretty good now that I'm looking at the scores. They, <laughs> they haven't allowed over 20 points in the last five games. All right, never mind. Yeah, Cardinals' defense is pretty damn good.
2: So is their offense. That's probably why they haven't lost a game yet. <laughs> Yeah, Arizona scored 31-plus 30, in six out of those seven games, and it is so much easier to – this is like Mike McCarthy-era football. It's so much easier to play defense when you're up 14 nothing, and the other team knows they have to score, and therefore you know they're going to throw the ball. It is just a different way of playing football. So, yes, I will say Arizona's offense is the bigger challenge because I think the defense just kind of feeds into things. Yeah. Let's do a couple more. Todd Cross – Last year, almost no injuries and a stellar start. This year, lots of injuries and a 6-1 start. However, had some luck and bounces. Is this a 6-1 team with injuries and luck or not as good as the record indicates, but with their best team yet to hit the field?
1: I think it's a good sign. You know, Aaron Rodgers joked today, but it it wasn't a joke. Um, A coach's favorite thing is for their team to win but still have things to correct. The Packers are 6-1, with clear flaws, but they're winning. And you look at some of the teams they're, they're beating, the Bengals just blew the Ravens out of Baltimore, out of their home stadium. And Baltimore looked like you know a top three team in the NFL. Yes, it's a week-to-week league, but this reminds me of two years ago, 2019, when the Packers were winning ugly. And then they went to San Francisco and got blown out. You know. And we kind of knew going into that NFC title game against the 49ers, uh, we probably know how this is going to go since there's a clear gap between the 49ers and everyone else. If the Packers go into Arizona and get blown out, I don't think I would have the same feeling just because the Packers wouldn't have David Bakhtiari, Zedarius Smith, Jair Alexander, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Josh Myers, like maybe Kevin King, maybe Preston Smith. There are a lot of guys still missing that if the Packers were to get there, hypothetically speaking, in an NFC title game with the, with the Cardinals, it would be a different story. So regardless of what happens, if the Packers lose, whether it's close or by a lot, I don't think you can put too much stock in that against the Cardinals. If they win, definitely put stock in that. But... I don't think a loss means all that much other than it's a knock to the Packers chances for home field advantage. You just can't judge them when they have this many injuries. And yes, I would say, I wouldn't say they've gotten lucky. I'd say they have great depth. I think Brian Gutekunst has done a great job filling the bottom end of this roster with guys who are contributing Aaron Rodgers. I know this is an aside here. Aaron Rodgers went out of his way twice in the same answer on a, on a question I asked him about Rashawn Gary to heavily praise the signing of Whitney Merciless. Aaron Rodgers
2: is coming back next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed that too. Um, when, when Rodgers really wants to make a point, he will answer a question that was not asked or he'll answer it in a way that was different than what was asked. Right. So, Yeah, um, I got four questions lined up, Matt. Most of them are funny, though, so we can kind of further through these. Um First of all, the more serious question from John Jansen. Who can we expect, hope to see on Thursday who did not play today? That's a good question. Um,
1: I'll say Preston Smith plays. I'll say Kevin King plays. I tend to think those two guys were just let's try and get through. They never say it, but let's try and get through Washington and have them ready for Thursday night. No MVS, no Bakhtiari, no Jair. Um, I'm interested to see if Dominique Daphne will play. That, that, that could be a little helpful to special teams and, and the offense. Um, he's been practicing. It hasn't been activated yet off IR, uh, but he's eligible to come back. I think they get Preston and Kevin back, but let's not bite off more than we can chew. Bakhtiari will be back for the Chiefs game, I'm assuming. We just don't know about Jair and Zedarius. Obviously, the defense is two best players. Or, yeah, two best players. Probably you can throw Kenny Clark in there, too. But, yeah, I think Kevin and Preston.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. This will be right up your alley, Matt, from Captain America. Is the MVS-Kenny Clark feud the funniest one in the locker room? Oh, man. You
1: follow this closely. It's hilarious. The funniest thing was how they tweeted pictures of you know, what each other looked like the other day. And you saw me in the media auditorium <laughs> when Kenny said, here's some pictures of my guy, MVS. And one of the pictures was Packers running backs, coach Ben Sermons, who looks like MVS, man, I lost my mind. That was hilarious. It's funny because, you know, we don't cover it per se, but anytime you get to see a, a little bit of the personality of these guys, it's it's fun for us. It's even more fun for fans. Um, I would say Kenny won that Twitter battle. I thought MVS clapped back with some good lookalikes. He said, here are some selfies that Kenny Clark has sent me. He sent uh, a picture of Smokey the Bear, uh, a Hungry Hungry Hippos box. (laughs) It was pretty
2: damn funny. But that Ben Sermon picture just killed me, man. That was hilarious. That was amazing. Mike Arena. After Favre, what's the most monumental Packers trade and why is it the has trade? That's a great question, Mike. <laughs> he's the—I he, know I, I made—I kind of answered asked this in a humorous manner at, at the press conference with him a few weeks ago. But he is legit the best punter I've ever seen. Obviously, that's like picking the tallest jockey at Churchill Downs. <laughs> but he is the—he is the best punter by miles and miles and miles. He is—he is a weapon. He is a weapon, man for a sixth round draft pick, right? Ooh. That's a steal.
1: And, and it's a great move. And how many times did you see JK Scott do what Bohorquez alone did today? Back out of the back of the end zone and you know, landing the one inside the 5. That's a season's work for JK Scott. No no <laughs> disrespect to JK, it's just the facts. Bohorquez is a weapon. I know you never want to see him on the field if you're the Packers. But that's a that's a great trade. I would trade a draft pick for that any day. Let's get one more. Yeah, I hate to use
2: yeah, I hate to use oh, a draft ahead. pick on a punter because you get what happens with J.K. Scott. But that's I I when, meant when, you, when, when I when, said when you, yeah, no, I totally get you. But when you nail it, you nail it. I meant Lambo trade a West, draft pick. Yeah, yeah, I got what you mean. Same thing. Lambo West. Great way to wrap up. Does Tom Brady co-own the Bears? Let's nice question him.
1: Tom Brady. Ripped the Bears a new one today, man. He threw four Jeez. touchdowns in the first half. Oh, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady ownership group. I'm looking up Tom Brady's final stat line today, and I know Packer fans are probably already turning this off because we're finishing up with with a Tom Brady joke. But let's see his stat line today. 38-3, 20 for 36, 211, four touchdowns. Okay, so he did everything in the first half. Leonard Fournette. 15 for 81 and a touchdown helped my fantasy team out. Um, co-ownership group. I, I could see that. Tom Brady made a joke about that earlier uh, earlier this week on a serious XM show. He, he congratulated Rogers on his ownership of the Bears. Just a couple old man cracking jokes, right? A couple dad jokes. God bless him. God bless him. All right. That's it. That's it. That's how you end a podcast. That's how you know we're professionals at this. So we'll talk to you guys on a short week, Thursday night. It'll be late as heck in Arizona. Actually, it'll be late as heck here, less late in Arizona. I'll be there. Bill will be watching from the comfort of his own home. We appreciate you guys as always. Thanks for listening.